This is a test. The Nerd World Order is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. If this had been an actual emergency, the signal you just heard would have been followed by the phrase... Ladies, gentlemen, and knights of the Nerd World Order, this is the Nerd World Order broadcast. I am the man you call Dukes, and we have with us... It's your boy Joe, a.k.a. Lucas Bishop. What's good, though? Today we'd like to introduce to our podcast, Alfonso. How are you doing? Really good. This is the X-Man, Alfonso Flores, joining you live from Huntington Beach, California. Welcome to the broadcast, Alfonso. Thank you very much for joining the broadcast today. As Joe and I like to tell people all the time, we don't claim to be the experts in any one given uh, form of nerddom, you know, so we're not going to try to be the experts on the X-Men. With the new X-Men movie coming out this week, we want to make sure that we have what we feel to be the best expert with the history of the Phoenix, with the history of the X-Men on, and clearly, when you call yourself the X-Man, that's Alfonso. And so, Alfonso, thank you very much for coming on here today to the broadcast thanks for having me man thanks for having me i'm super excited about this yeah um x-men's pretty much been my life i was about 13 years old <laughs> so much so that i named four of my kids after x-men uh, so i got my own team there i've got well i might as well name them off right i've got logan of course named after wolverine the next one's a little bit of a stretch i've got victoria named after victor creed or Sabretooth. and then i've got emma after emma frost although she will never cause pain of them a frost. And then I've got Nathaniel, named after Cable. Actually very near and dear to the Phoenix, because uh, down the line, it's kind of related. Just to give you guys a little bit of background about me, started reading comic books when I was really young. My dad started helping me out with, with reading. I didn't realize that he was actually practicing his reading skills, but he picked up some comic books, and uh, we started reading together. My love for it grew and grew and grew, and you know, little by little, my stacks of comics got bigger and bigger came across x-men and man i just you know it's like i always felt like a little bit of an outsider so you know i could easily relate to the x-men it, it was it was pretty great you know wolverine the, this classic miniseries was one of the first trade paperbacks i picked up you know right after starting picking up the books and uh that that was absolutely amazing and then from there i got x-men books here and there of course wolverine was always my draw uh, one of my favorite characters all around of course like i said from the age of 13, I knew my son's name would be Logan. And then after that, we had... It's weird because Wolverine wasn't in this book, but I picked up, like, X-Factor number three, I believe. And from there, I, I mean, I fell in love with it. You know, it's like I, I started collecting all the X-Factor books. I went back and got number one. And as you know, X-Factor number one is where Jean Grey comes back after her death as the Phoenix. And, of course, that got me... You know, my, my curiosity sparked, and I was able to say, hey, wait, found out back in Fantastic Four number, ooh, man, well, back in that issue of Fantastic Four, that's where Reed Richards and the team found a cocoon under, uh, what is that bay, where, where Sully landed his plane. <laughs> um, but they found, uh, they found the cocoon, and then that's when they brought it up. Uh, they called up Warren Worthington III. Everybody, you know, figured it out. Uh, they found out Jean Grey was in there because the invisible woman, woman was able to turn it invisible to sort of see what was going on. Uh, they called up Warren Worthington. He called up Cyclops. His wife was alive again. And bam, right into the X Factor. So um, after that, 
I started, you know, because I, I wanted to know a lot about the history about X-Men. And, uh, you know, funds were tight when I was a kid. Comic books were, comic book shops weren't, weren't very rampant. So uh, Marvel Universe uh, was starting to get really big. So I was picking up issues here and there. And, you know, you've got your characters, their strengths, their weaknesses, their powers, their bios, you know, the, the issues that they're related to. And, and you get to find out every little bit of aspect about them. And uh, from there, I'm, I'm able to piece the stories together. So as I got older, started picking up back issues. And I'm like, you know, they're, they're, I'm loving them. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I've seen this before. I know about this. This is familiar to me. Now I'm able to put the pictures to my, to my thoughts. And it was, it was really, really amazing. Um, you ever get a chance, you guys, go out there and pick up those old Marvel Universe books? Because it just, I mean, it gave me a vast amount of knowledge about the Marvel Universe, the X-Men Universe. And then, of course, you know, got to show a little respect for DC. I went and picked up Who's Who books so that I can learn about the DC Universe as well. Uh, so when it came to the Dark Phoenix saga, you know, of course, I've heard a lot about it. I actually had to go back and learn it. Uh, when I was working in a comic book shop in the 90s, All-American Comics, it was awesome but closed. I looked through, uh, I pretty much read everything in the store. I mean, we had a huge catalog of backstock, and I read everything. I read everything that came out, read everything that we had there. And, you know, between picking up trade paperbacks or, or you know, hardbacks, I, I was able to piece everything together. And Man, Dark Phoenix Saga was just, it was epic. You know, you had Jean Grey, you know, you got a little bit of her here, and Next thing you know, she's being corrupted by the mastermind. Then a little bit of evil comes out and she just, uh, she went and drank the sun <laughs> and destroyed, destroyed the universe. You know, um, the Shi'ar was like, nope. And of course, the Shi'ar is this alien race from the Marvel comics, you know, like the Kree, the Shi'ar, or Shi'ar, there's, you know, the, what was that, scrolls. This is just so exciting to me. It's just, it's a part of my history. I'm similar to you in the sense that Growing up, probably the first comic book that I really gravitated to because they were outsiders was the X-Men. And, you know, as nerds, you know, now nerds are cool. But back when we were nerds growing up, we were kind of the outsiders. But at the same time, much like the X-Men, we had our own gifts and properties. And so I could kind of relate to that, you know, whether it be like uh, Kurt Wagner as Nightcrawler. He was the, in my opinion, I always saw him as the most outsider of all the X-Men because physically all the other X-Men could in some way represent themselves as human. They could walk around and look human, whereas Nightcrawler, he was just a permanent outcast all the time. So I always really enjoyed the X-Men as well. And, you know, around the Chris Claremont era is when I really got into it, you know. And because for me, it was more of they brought everything that was going on in the world around me and they put it in that comic book form to where I could think about it, but I could also enjoy the action of, you know, Wolverine or, you know, back then it was uh, Colossus and Kitty Pride and, you know, everyone like that and Nightcrawler. So I'm right there with you, man. Definitely X-Men was the first comic book where I was like, when it came out, I was there ready to go to read that next issue. I clearly did not go as deep as you did, you know, because you started going into the Shi'ar Empire. And I was like, you know, I'm like, was that Corsair? Starjammers. Oh, oh Starjammers. Corsair and the Starjammers. See? I have a little bit of X-Men cred with Alfonso now. But yeah, so so I'm there with you too, bro. Like X-Men, for whatever reason, you know, I enjoyed the Avengers. I enjoyed DC. But X-Men is the comic book I always related to. And that's what really got me into comics. I mean, they, they tackled racism and persecution in, in ways that 
you know, they were kind of going around it. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, everybody fears and hate the, hates the X-Men. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're talking about it or right there, but they're not saying, you know, it's like, this is reality. But, you know, everybody who's felt that, you know, can relate, you know, being, being a teenager who feels different because all the X-Men were teenagers can relate. You know, everybody who feels like a little bit of an outsider, everybody who's who's just a little different, who doesn't feel the same way or think the same way or look the same way as everybody else, they can relate. And it was, oh, man, it was an acceptance like none other, you know. What I liked about, like, the X-Men, if you think about it, at the time that we were going up, you didn't have that many minorities that were superheroes, per se. But the one thing that you did have was mutants, in a way, were kind of like minorities that was on the outside. So even though they were mutants, you can kind of relate to them, you know? And like you said, like the Claremont, the Jim Lee. I remember, like, you stopped reading X-Men Island for a while when it, when it stepped through that portal. Remember when they went through that portal and they all just went out to different... In, in Australia? Like, I'm not reading that no more. But the that was actually the time where those comics were worth a lot more money because that was when Jim Lee came on the scene. Chris Claremont kind of saying, uh, I can never remember how to pronounce his name, but Willis Potatasio came on the scene but my boy Lucas Bishop is the creator. But, you know, like, my, my second favorite character that I always like is uh, Longshot. And Longshot was a character that was from the Mojo world. And basically, his power was like luck. And so, like, if you remember correctly, he was out before Domino. And you could even say that Rob Liefeld stole the concept of Longshot to make Domino. If what? you think about it. Because Longshot was doing a lot of those things where he'd fall out of the sky and all of a sudden women with bird wings would fly out of nowhere and pick him up and carry him to the softball. And that was before Domino. So, I mean, I mean that's when I, I, I loved the X-Men at that time, dude. It was, for me, it was somewhere I can escape and relate to because, like I said, we growing up, man, we didn't have that much, man. Yeah, a lot of people talk bad about the 90s with, you know, the – the hack and slash years, you know, all, all the blood, the, you know, the skimpy costumes, everything. But man, the nineties was amazing for X-Men. I mean, you're right. Jim Lee, Chris Claremont, you know, Wells Protasio, you know, uh, Art Adams. I mean, they were artists and, and writers that were just, they were killing it. You know, they were killing it. They, um, they made a world <laughs> like none other. Uh, they wiped the state clean with the siege perilous. Like you're saying, they walked through that. Uh, then the X-Men were ghosts. They were they were there. They were behind the scenes. Nobody nobody could see them. You know, electronics couldn't detect them, and, and they were they were saving the world. And they didn't even you know get any thanks for it. You know, and and that's what a true hero is. You know, when you do something and you don't care about the recognition. So, yeah, dude, this is how dope that was. When they went through that portal, they changed Betsy from being an English woman <laughs> to Japanese, and none of us cared. None of us cared. And she was proper British too, man. She was she was high class there. And she's like, oh, top of the morning to you. And all of a sudden, now it's like <laughs> ninja. Yeah, but when she transformed the Psylocke, man, that was it. It was it's, when Dr. Dre says it's a wrap. It's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, Psylocke soon became one of my favorites. You know, um, and like you're saying with the I probably butchered name, but Wells Potassio is always how I always said it. So I think it's Wireless or Willis, but. The way he drew Archangel, man, that that just like, you know, you you had those uh, mid mid range uh, X Factor issues, and he was killing it. You know, him and Iceman, the, the way he did Iceman, he that guy drew like nothing I've ever seen before. And, and sometimes I'd get lost in the art. You know, sometimes I could have something with such bad art that it would lose me in the story, and I wouldn't even, you know, 
Um, I mean, I'm going to get, you know, a lot of crap for this, but a lot of people love Mignola. And sometimes I just, I could have powered through those reads because that artwork threw me off. You know, it's, it's good artwork, but it's not X-Men. You know what I mean? It's mm. not Jim Lee. It's not Rob Liefeld. You know, it's not, do you guys have favorite artists? Art Adams rarely does an entire issue. Normally he'll give us a cover, but Art Adams, whenever he draws an X-Men cover, when I was, I remember doing this and I kick myself for it now, I would rip the cover off and put it in like a cheap, like picture frame and any Art Adam cover I would make into like a picture and put it on my wall, dude. Nice. I know you like the comic book. What do you think about the transition of the movies for the first X-Men? When the first X-Men came out, what did you think? I mean, I take away the nostalgia of like, wow, this is actually one of the first few superhero movies that we grew up with is actually on the screen. Yeah. Back in the day, I mean, I was completely like beside myself. They're making an X-Men movie. This is, this is amazing. Took me a while to get over the fact that Wolverine was six foot two. But other than that, you know, it's like, okay, they're all wearing all leather. Oh, that's that's not too bad because, yeah, you, know, you can't really pull off yellow spandex uh, in a movie. But man, I was, <laughs> in retrospect, they're not great. But in time, man, I was loving them. I was absolutely in love with them. I was super stoked. You know, I was super forgiving. And it's, it's really tough because I know there's a lot of bad movies out there. But I, I tend to find a lot of enjoyment in a lot of things. You know, I, I, I you know, it's, I mean, it's the X-Men. It's hard for me to hate anything about it. It really is. And, and I was, you know, episode one, I was super stoked. You know, like episode two, three, even three, you know, every time, I rewatched it last night because I, I just, I had to. I know it wasn't great, but I had to watch it. And, you know, it's, I remember the feeling of like going through the X-Men mansion and you see little kids run by. I'm like, oh, that's, is that, is that? And it's just like you look for those small cameos. It was super rewarding to me that, you know, they'd have little things like like uh, Siren, you know, Banshee's daughter. You would see her, you know, like for, I think, one or two movies, you would see her in the background, a little bit head shake, and you could tell something was up. And next thing you know, what was it, in X-Men 2, she, like, screamed when those, you know, those guys came in. And oh, totally, totally Siren. You know, um, Artie Leach, you got, you know, a little kid changing the TV with his blinking of his eyes and, you know, Every chance I got, I mean, you got Jubilee. You got Jubilee all the time, but she, she never got any lines and she never did anything. Got, didn't get into the fireworks, but, um, you know, it, at the time, it was super exciting. I, in retrospect, yeah, I've, I've showed my wife, my kids. They're, they're a little campy, you know. They're a little tough to swallow, but uh, I have a lot of fond memories, you know. I think for time they were the first movies that tried to take comic book material seriously right they didn't know what to do with it they didn't understand how to make that transition from hey we've got these superheroes with these powers and we need to make people invest themselves in the characters and the story but still have all these powers and make them believable so yeah you're right they were campy but if we look at that compared to what we had before not specifically with the x-men but maybe the old fantastic four movies or the right or the, the incredible hulk that was clearly the start of people taking superhero movies seriously uh so in my opinion yes they're campy they don't hold up the test of time if we compare it to the current marvel crop of movies but for their time for what they tried to do they were revolutionary and i think they were good movies 
Dude, come on, bro. Seriously, dude. Dude, if DC put out hot gobblers like that, bro, you'd be all over it. Like, yo, this is whack, bro. First off, man, comic material, I doubt it. Because it wasn't Rogue that was rolling around Wolverine. It was actually Jubilee, if you remember correctly. Yeah. So that ain't comic book material. That was a bust. <laughs> Terrible. The only thing that was good was X-Men probably too, just because it had your boy Nightcrawler. That scene where he was fighting, that's it. You take that out of the movie, it's whack. The new X-Men movies, you take Quicksilver out, whack. I think we'll get to the other X-Men movies in a moment. If you were to look back at like the first Superman, does that hold the test of time? No. I think, though, we all consider it a classic. If we compare it to what's going on today, eh, no, it's not as strong. But for its time, the excitement, the fact that, in my opinion, are we going to always mix stuff up? Absolutely. Marvel still does that today. They take bits and pieces and do what's going to work best. But given the period of time that they were in and their first chance to like really show a degree of respect to the source material, you know, I give it its due. You know, it, is it DC caliber? Like DC 2019, 2020 caliber? Yeah, boo DC for putting out some trash that's barely better than what the X Men came out with in the 90s. You're yeah. crazy, dude. You were you are reaching, bro. Straight up reaching, bro. You see, the biggest problem back then is you, you have you have amazing source material, but you've got so much of it. So they got to pick and choose, try to meld things together. But you got the studio exec in the background with the cash saying, you know what would really work is if we had a big giant spider right now, because I think that would work really swell. And it just, you know, they they messed it up. They, you know, they 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 think they could take it and change it to something that's theirs when they've got excellent material in the source material. You know, they, they can do it right. They can they can bring stories together. You know, um I'm so looking forward to see what Marvel Universe does with it. But um yeah, it's <laughs> it, it's tough. You know, you got too many, too many uh you got all the hands that are in the piggy bank trying to make all the decisions and trying to change things up a little bit. If they had just stuck to the source material, I think that'd have did great. I mean um, but still, back then when I first saw them, I, I loved absolutely every single one of them. You know, it's like, would I have preferred they did something a little different? Yes. You know, it's like, it could be better. It could be better. But you know what? This is what I'm getting. And, you know, I'll eat it. You know, I'll take this pizza pizza and I'll eat it. It's not my favorite pizza, but I'm going to still, you know, it's pizza. I'm going to eat this slice, you know, all day long. Let's have a quick conversation we talk x2 let's just put a quick conversation together with x2 and x3 alfonso what were your thoughts on x2 and x3 as far as how they treated the franchise man you know x2 it like joe is talking about right now the the um, nightcrawler scene that that was that was amazing that that kind of just it blew you away but what scene hit me the most was uh wolverine in the school you know He's standing there, he's having a beer, and next thing you know, he's like, what the? And, you know, then, you know, the troops start come pouring in, and he's like, got to defend the school in my in my wife beater tank top right here, and he goes to town, you know. That's the first time you can see Wolverine truly berserk out, and it, it was it was amazing. You know, you see Colossus, you know, he he, uh, he meddles up. You're going to see, I mean, you see so much. You know, you're going to see Iceman release a little more of his potential because they slowly built him up, and, you know, as you know, Iceman's one of the 
strongest characters in the X-Men universe. It's like they, you know, they, they chalk it up as him as a, being a jokester, which he is. And, you know, you take him a little bit serious. Like Emma Frost even took him aside one time and, look, and says, look what I can do with your power. And he's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. X2, um, it, it was, I would say it was better than X3. Or what is it? The Last Stand. Uh, again, I watched The Last Stand last night. You, you had the first uh, time somebody kind of de-aged somebody like like they tried you know like they did in the in the Captain Marvel movies you know you got you got Professor X and uh, you got Magneto and they ton of makeup on those two <laughs> I don't think there was much CGI but man they were caked on with makeup but they looked young you could see they filled in all the wrinkles um, and you know you got that appearance of Stan Lee right there and uh, there was that epic line where Jean Grey you know she's uh, you know Magneto's like we're we're a lot like you know, you're you're we're just like you, and and you see her in the background lifting all the the cars outside Stanley's hose water, and you know she's like, I doubt it, because <laughs> she's just on a whole nother level. And so you know, of course, Professor X went in her mind, put in some some blocks to keep uh, all that extra power at bay, um, and she needed it. She did, um, and you know, he always gets a little, you know, little. Uh, he gets a little shade thrown at him because he's always messing with people's minds. You know, like the X-Men weren't really here, you know, like later on, like at the time, the sixties and seventies, it was cool. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you're invading somebody's mind. You can't be doing that. So, um, you know, he got a lot of flack later on in the years about that for all the little things that he's done. It was pretty, it was pretty fun. I mean, you got the juggernaut, you got the juggernaut quoting that famous line from that, uh, from that, uh, YouTube parody that was done. And, you know, uh, You've got you've got Kitty Pride and and she's running through walls and that that was great you know, um, yeah you got you got this love story between Rogue and and uh, Iceman which isn't right because of course you know she should be with Gambit and Iceman who knows uh, but there uh, you got the whole you know I love you but I can't touch you I need to lose my powers so that I can touch you so that I can love you. It, it had it had some good parts you know the 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 room the danger room scene in X in X three was amazing. Um, you never really got to truly see the Sentinel in the background, but next thing you know, you get a fastball special, yes, and then you see a head rolling. You get that Sentinel head rolling. Yeah, it looked kind of cheesy, but, you know, it's like the way that was happening was like what I really wanted in an X-Men movie. I wanted it dark. I wanted it gritty. I wanted it fighting, and I want flames and things burning in the background, and, and Sentinels coming with, flat, you know, lights shining <laughs> in the dark, and, and next thing you know, the X-Men are tearing them up. Storm's little whirlwind punch was stupid that really annoyed me you had mcsteamy you had mcsteamy being madrox that was kind of cool i mean madrox one of my absolute favorites um he you know madrox a multiple man and there you know it's like all those little tiny cameos you got all these little things going on with the angel flying around trying to cut off his wings when he was growing up because he was too embarrassed to be a mutant so it had a lot of really good things it could have been a lot better though and i would say the biggest thing that bothered me about that movie and it's funny because joe said what bothered him about x1 or x-men x-men 1 is what bothered me about x-men 2 uh x-men united and then the last stand which was i felt like the characters that i wanted to see it's like they took the name and part of their powers but not enough of their powers for you to go like oh that's callisto or oh uh, you know, that's Colossus. Like, I remember when Colossus armored up and you're waiting for him to do something, but he just armored up and then they went on to another scene. The things that 
really like I like the movie, but at the same time, I got frustrated because I wanted to see more of what I saw in the comic book. So it was sort of a disappointment. And then like the Nightcrawler scenes, that was just like mind blown when I saw the Nightcrawler scenes. But it's like they put that in the commercials and everything else that they did was kind of a letdown in comparison with that. It was almost like you wanted a Nightcrawler movie after seeing Nightcrawler um, and there was nothing else. And then something that really made me mad was like they said it was the Phoenix, but the way that they explained the Phoenix because they didn't bring in the force from space, I was like, that's not the Phoenix, right? It's not the Phoenix force. So you can you can basically say, oh, well, I named this this other personality in your head the Phoenix, but just because you call it the Phoenix doesn't make it the Phoenix, bro. And that just thoroughly annoyed me about uh, Last Stand. So, uh, yeah, I, I have to say I like the first X-Men, but then once they got more into trying to use the rest of the stuff, but they really didn't use it, they just, like, basically butchered it. By that point, I was checked out. So, um yeah, I have to agree with Joe. Uh, first movie I enjoyed, but once they started butchering the source material too much, I was just like, dude, like, y'all are doing too much, man. You're ruining my comic books. Yeah, man, like, the second X-Men, when I call it, was dope. That made the movie. But, bruh, Rogue is going out with Gambit. Gambit is, like, one of my third favorite characters, man. And you can't even put Gambit in the X-Men, bruh. I'm like, come on, man. Like, that just that just annoys me. Just like the what they deem as little small things is huge for me because that's those moments is what made me enjoy reading the X-Men. I mean, can't get too mad because at the time we didn't have it. So it was good to see something on the screen where it's different now. Like dudes and, and women and guys are getting upset. The smallest details on these Marvel movies, man. And it's like, you didn't know how what we had to go through when we were watching like X Men and stuff like that in the beginning stages. We had real, we had legitimate beef. Where these are just like little tweaks, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the the X Men last stand, dude, when when she killed Professor X, bruh, I got up and left because that's just that's just some hot mess right there, dude. Like it, it's just no continuation. It didn't flow well. I'm like, it was like I was watching Borat in the nineties. It was like, <laughs> yo, you just got me right now, you know, like. I can't believe I paid to watch this. This movie is a hot mess. I'm like, can I get my life back? My moments, the minutes that I lost sitting in there. Dude, I took my kids to that hot mess, dude. My kids were looking at me like, Dad, what's this crap? We got to leave. Why did you take me to this and watch this crap? We got to go. And that's how I felt, man. But the the, the retrick on the newer X-Men is a lot better. I think the first... The, uh, the the newer X-Men movies is actually pretty good. It's still not as accurate, but it's a little more entertaining, like the first class, which is by far is a, is a big step in the right direction, I think. But it's pretty good. I, I like that. They should have really, I mean, they should have really leaned on the, the Cyclops, Jean Grey, Wolverine love triangle because, you know, come on. That's some good stuff right there. I know, but just think about it. You had how does Deadpool make Colossus better than Colossus in his own X-Men movie? How do they make Juggernaut way better than the Juggernaut that gave us in X-Men or Last Stand, the third X-Men? It's like, come on, man. Yeah, X-Men First Class, it was a huge weight off my shoulders because it's like, this, this is much better. 
This is much better. You know, retrospect, still not really good, but much better than the first three movies. Choices for actors, not actors, but, um, you know, who they used. It wasn't my favorite. Yeah, I love the fact that Havoc was there. They already messed it up with the, you know, the first three movies. I guess I don't. I guess a kind of link, but you know, why not start with the original five? You know, you, you got to have Beast, you got to have Angel, Jean Grey, Cyclops. I mean, why don't you start there? It's like you start with all these other people. You throw in Mystique as a good guy, you know, just because uh, what's her name's really, you know, hot off the press with uh, with the Hunger Games. You know, it's like she's she gets a star role. She's a, she's a good actress. You know, I enjoy her, but you know, Mystique's a bad guy. She's one of the baddest. You know, it's like. Sure, bring her into the good guys, but you know what? She's still bad. She she's badder than Wolverine. That won't mess you up. You know, uh, Darwin. <laughs> Come on, I mean, Darwin was just barely introduced in the comics. Yeah, he was supposed to be there from the beginning. You know, and then they kill him off right away. That guy, of course, he could do anything, he could, but I guess live past that. The whole the whole thing with uh, Sebastian Shaw. What a waste, man! Sebastian Shaw is an awesome character, and they. They did him. They did him dirty, man. I don't know any whether you say it. They they did him dirty, man. He's his, you know, his face, you know, twisting all over the place and shaking up and six extra fingers, you know, while he's powering up. It was just, it was hokey. It was hokey. Um, but uh, overall, I mean, the movie was definitely a lot better than the first three. I really like First Class because, much to your point, Last Stand was disappointment that it was very difficult for them to make anything that wouldn't be a step up so i like the idea that it was sort of a reboot i like that they brought in uh the the younger characters to sort of show what professor x and magneto were like in their younger days i also didn't like the way that they use mystique because to your point mystique is such a badass uh that it was just uh underuse of her character uh yeah i enjoyed it I thought it was a great reboot. At the same time, I just thought it was, once again, they have this material. Um, they're trying to introduce as many characters as possible. But at the same time, they're only going to focus on, in my opinion, they focused on maybe three characters. Uh, Professor X, Magneto, and Mystique. And all the other characters just kind of like throwaway background noise. And it wasn't, it wasn't a good use of all the characters that they had to work with. Magneto, so much better in these movies. I mean, Ian McCullen's a great actor and all, but that man's just too old to be my Magneto. <laughs> Not my Magneto. Michael Fassbender looked amazing. His helmet was amazing. That was one thing, man. That Magneto was on point, on point. Yeah, I mean, uh, the first class, I mean, uh, that's pretty good. But like Alan said, this again, it's a source material. So, I mean, what's kind of what, what, what I think will make Deadpool really good is because it got with Rob Liefeld. It got, and, and Ryan Reynolds is such a huge Deadpool fan that he's like, yo, that's not what Deadpool would do, and this is the way you should do it. So I think they, if they did that with the X-Men, I think it would flow a lot better, and that's what I'm praying that Marvel is going to do. I'm really hoping, because Marvel hasn't done any of these characters badly. It's just unfortunate you got to wait five years. But I, 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 have good, I have good faith that they're going to turn the X-Men franchise around. I, ha I have good faith. I have good faith. I don't even remember the name of that second movie, bro. Oh, X-Men Apocalypse, bro. The dude looked like freaking, what was that dude from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Mr. Ooze, man. <laughs> Come on, dude. Like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, all that money and 
I mean, they made Thanos look badass. You can't, dude. What people don't understand is a apocalypse is freaking a bad dude. You know what I mean? It's a bad dude. Then you see this dude, and you're just like, who the hell is this dude? What is going on? And that's, you know, it's just it's the small details, man. You get that much money, and you can't make him look better than that. Yeah, I was so excited for apocalypse, and I cannot believe. I still found joy in it. I still liked it, but. They could have done it so much better. You know, the Four Horsemen, I was super stoked to see that, too. It was nice that he did, you know, they still went with the Horseman theme. Um, but it wasn't quite right. There was something there that was missing. And, and they couldn't, they kept grasping for it, but they couldn't get it. You know, Apocalypse, one of my all-time favorite, you know, here um, villains, uh, along with Mr. Sinister. Um, those two, you know, they're easy. You just gotta you gotta look at the source material material and you gotta do it like that, you know. Trying to remake your own vision just to make it you know movie appropriate, you know. It's like you guys are stretching too far. Uh, that is one great thing that the Marvel Universe does, uh, or Marvel Cinematic Universe does better than anybody. Um, so at least you know you, they've had all these movies to look at as you know like their training wheels, and, and they're doing right by them. You know they're. They're looking at those and they're saying, okay, that's not what we want to do. We want to do something better. I mean, you take Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, they announced this movie and I'm like, are you serious? Guardians of the Galaxy? Why not? Why? Why? And then I watched Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, this is this is amazing. You know, you got you got these this group of people and and it's dude, there was nothing like Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, it was it was top of its game. Um, and of course later on Deadpool came around and yeah, Ryan Reynolds. He's, he's we're gonna do it by the book. We're gonna say true to source material, and and they killed it. You know, um, it's there. They just gotta trust in that. They they gotta stop trying to make it their own, and they just gotta do what needs to be done. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that uh, you guys were talking about is how much Marvel does it better, and I think one of the reasons that Marvel has been so successful. Uh, and it's something that the X Men hasn't done is they respect the fact that it takes a long time to actually lay out a story. And so if you think about when you got Age of Apocalypse, it wasn't one comic book. It wasn't three comic books. They spent like three months putting together the Age of Apocalypse story with different books and crossovers and stuff like that. So for someone to try to take the Age of Apocalypse concept, which honestly, you didn't even get Apocalypse's origin until probably about, what, five years after he came out, maybe more than that, for X-Men to always try to take an entire concept that was anywhere between three to four months long and try to cram it into two hours, that to me has always been the biggest problem. If you take just Days of Future Past and you lay that out, that could be a trilogy by itself. You know, first you have like Wolverine and he's in the future, or excuse me, Kitty Pride's in the future. She travels back. That in itself is a complete movie. But they try to cram everything into two hours, and it just gets way too watered down. So, uh, yeah, I have to agree with you guys. That Were they better than the first? The first one was cool. But, you know, Age of Apocalypse and Days of Future Past, like, they just took really good stories. And they basically said, we've got this villain here, we've got this villain here. And they tried to throw that crap together. And it just didn't work. Overall... Am I, do I feel like they were good movies? No, they were mediocre movies. They were adequate movies. And one of the things you guys talked about, Alf, you mentioned the horsemen. They completely 
butchered the horsemen. They just pulled characters off the shelf and said, hey, we're going to make these people the horsemen. Wait, what? What? This, this isn't one of the horsemen. Everybody knows Archangel is one of the horsemen. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You make Archangel your main guy. Then you don't need to bring in Psylocke as one of the horsemen. Let Psylocke be Psylocke. You're going to take Olivia Munn, who's a great actress, who's been underutilized, give her about five-second screen time and say she's Psylocke? Completely waste of a character. They just need to slow down. Whatever Marvel does next, they need to take one story and spread it out over five, six years so that they can give respect to the actual story. Boom! Thank you for validating that hot mess, Dukes, because you just nailed the the nail on the coffin, man. And you're right about Olivia Munn, man. She's dope. Callens, stop being a hater. Introduce me to her at Comic-Con. Stop being a hater. I see you getting those pictures with her. Boom! Like, the source material, you're, you're totally right, dude. They could easily have made it three movies, man. I didn't think about it that way. That's a good point. Like, even Apocalypse, you could have did three different movies. Dark Phoenix, you could have did three different movies. You know, just a setup. It's just a hot garbage. It's, it's a mess. You know, and that's why Fox, you don't own them anymore. Because it's a hot mess. Yeah, Fox didn't do a lot right, man. They did not do a lot right. The only thing they did well was Deadpool. The first Deadpool was dope. You know what I mean? You, you know they why did they did Colossus right. They did Deadpool right. They did Juggernaut right. Cable was okay. They butchered the X-Force, though. That, that was terrible. I, 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 didn't, I didn't appreciate that one right there, man. I didn't like that one, dude. Shadowstar so is a badass dude, man. They made him look arrogant, weak. It, that was just terrible, man, because Shadowstar is actually pretty dope. Yeah, X-Force. It was, it was funny what they did. But, you know, the best thing Fox could do with, with Deadpool is – take a step back and let, let them do what they need to do. And, you know, thank them for that because, I mean, Deadpool is just, like, one of the best, you know, movies out there as far as, you know, uh, superheroes go. I mean, because it stayed true to source material. You know, it was super fun, super exciting. You know, he got to break the fourth walls. He, he stayed true to the character. I mean, if you think about it, probably the truest to the character comic book movie out there. I mean, I don't know. You guys could probably argue that, but I can't, I can't honestly think of one comic book character in a movie that was truer to the character. Uh, Blade was good. Blade was good, but... Hmm. I mean, you got one? It, can you say one name? Can you name one superhero that was done perfectly in the movies, you know, to the, to the source material? I'd have to say Deadpool. Let's talk uh, what your thoughts are of this new dark phoenix movie joe brought up a great point we've already seen this why are you rehashing it again what are you guys expecting out of this movie well i i I seen recently that i think it's what the 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 original producer is the director now you know it's like i think he's looking for redemption i think there's gonna be a lot more to the movie than what they're showing in the trailer they're trying to make it seem like the trailer's giving you a lot, but I, I think there's some things there that probably aren't going to be shown. You know, I think they're going to surprise us with a few things, whether it's going to be good or bad. That's going to be really tough to say. I, I'm hoping we get a Psylocke appearance. I mean, you know, we all saw that she made it out. I want Psylocke in the movie. See how it could work. I'm, I'm wondering who this white hair chick is. Who's like pulling Jean Grey's, you know, strings, you know, originally, I guess it was supposed to be Lalandra. It, it's not necessarily that. She's not Emma Frost. I mean, they showed Emma Frost in the in the second movie. Um, it, it was that uh, was her Jennifer. Uh, you know, uh, she was hanging out there with uh, Sebastian Shaw. I mean, I thought that too. I'm like, could it be? No, we've already got that. Looked up on IMDb and they have her listed as something. 
and I, I Googled it, and it's some kind of weird alien thing. So, I mean, it's a possibility because hopefully they go a little cosmic with this. I think we might get a little bit of that. I mean, I don't think they're going to spend too much time like in the Shi'ar Empire, but I, I think we're going to get a little bit of that. So it's tough to say. I mean, you know, they, they've got a pretty good Jean Grey, you know. Um, she can be done right. As you see, she's a, she's a pretty pretty good actor from Game of Thrones. <laughs> she tells it like it is. Uh, there's a lot of memes, you know, pointing towards that. In the Apocalypse movie, I mean, she represented pretty well. You know, like when she kind of just like zoned out and started walking on air, that looked good. That looked good. She mm-hmm. she had the right gravitas for that. She was she was she was the phoenix. You know, it's like bam, and all of a sudden you see that firebird, and it's like my whole uh, excitement was you know risen from the flames, just like just like you know the phoenix force, and I was I was pretty ecstatic about that. You know, it's like I, I still yell out loud at movies. And that was one place. Well, yeah, I know it's going to disappoint me. I don't want it to. Deep down, I wanted to to like just. I wanted to. I wanted to shine. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking it's gonna it's gonna surprise me, and I'm really hoping it's gonna surprise me. If I try to not watch any of the trailers or previews, probably about two months before a movie comes out, because I don't want to set my expectations based on the trailer. I. Did end up, you know, watching, like, let's say X-Men or whatever, or excuse me, like Avengers or whatever, and the trailer was on there. So I have seen the latest trailer, and it doesn't look that bad. Uh, I guess my only concern is that I feel like, like, I hate when a character says, like, when I lose control, bad things happen. And as soon as I hear that line, I'm like, dude, come on, we're done. And and she said that. So I'm like, ah, this is going to be cheesy. There's a possibility the movie could be good, but when I hear corny lines like that in a trailer, I'm just not expecting good things. Sansa was in the whack-ass ending of Game of Thrones that ended Game of Thrones. This is going to end their trilogy of the X-Men. I don't see anything being different. You can try to trick me and paint the hot garbage a different color. It's going to be hot garbage. Yeah, I'm going to probably watch it, you know. Hopefully I'm wrong. But I'm just like, what, a day's future past when we did a credit scene about Mr. Sinister? But then you're not going to show him? Don't be trying to trick me by throwing things in there that make me get excited for no reason. Because Mr. Sinister is dope, right? But you're going to have them at the end of the credit scenes, but you're not going to put them in you know, the Phoenix Saga Part 2. So, I mean, I don't have high hopes. And usually sometimes when you go in there with no expectations, it could be better. Because I think it's Brian Singer that's producing it, right? He didn't do anything different in the last three. And he didn't do anything different in this first three now. So, I mean, I'm not excited for it. I mean, I watch every trailer and it still doesn't bump me up. doesn't make me want to watch it. But I'll, I'll just watch it because you think that I'm not an X-Men fan because I keep bashing these movies, but... I'm so much of an X-Men fan that I'm not enjoying these movies. Although that Deadpool movie was pretty good, man. They really know how to do that Colossus, that Juggernaut. You know what I mean? Deadpool was true to character. And you know the funny thing about the whole thing is they're both under the Fox banner. Explain that to me. I want, here's the thing. I wonder if Deadpool came out first, if it would have changed any of those other X-Men movies if it, if it followed that. I would like to think so, right? Maybe Deadpool would be in an X-Men movie. I'm not hyped up, but I'll still watch it. Let me go completely off topic for a moment. And Alf, I want to turn it over to you, man. You're the expert. If you could take the current X-Men, don't do a reboot, take the current X-Men 
after Dark Phoenix Saga and roll them into the current MCU, what would you do? One of the one of the theories I read online that really got me going and like just you know got the creative juices going. Somebody said something about like you know you know how I, earlier I was talking about how Professor X you know he would uh, he would mind white people you know they're, they'd ask me to go into a small town save the small town from the brood or whatever and then you know Professor X would be like doo, 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 and everybody would forget that there's X Men right when when we did that eventually you got to a point to where like nobody knew the X Men were around you know everywhere they'd go. They'd save the day. They'd mind wipe everybody. They'd save the day. They mind. They go through the M crown crystal. They come out. They're undetectable. People think they're dead. The theory that was the X Men have been there the whole time. When Thanos did his little snap, Professor X disappeared. All of his, you know, uh, predisposed messages in people's heads gone. So, oh wait, that's right. We have X Men. Look, there's the X Men. You know, well half of them because the other half were gone. So you know. They were there the whole time. They're brought in. You know, one of those little portals open up, and you know they come coming. You know, they come pouring out there, and you know they're tearing up the Shikari or Shatari, or uh, <laughs> you know they're they're riding the wave there. You know, saving the day on the left. But uh, that that would have been the perfect injury for them. You know, bring them all in. Uh, next thing you know, you know you've got, you know, uh, and they already did Civil War, so you know. They're they're not really a, you know they're not working completely with with the Avengers you know you got the Avengers who are you know you know pretty much sanctioned by the government the X Men are like you know they're 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 almost considered vigilantes so you know it's like well now the Avengers is like we're gonna have to take them out but you know what they're there for the you know the, the greater good so it's like yeah we're gonna fight because we're gonna defend what we believe in and you got A A V X right there you know Avengers versus X Men. You know, they, they take over uh, Alcatraz and they've got their own little island base or they go up into Asteroid M and, you know, all of a sudden they're a sovereign nation trying to establish their own society, just like, you know, Wakanda and, and um, hopefully soon, you know, Atlantis. You know, they've, they're, they're their own society. You know, they got their seat at the table at the United Nations. And, and, you know, but people don't want that because, you know, of course, everybody fears and hate what's different. So, you know, they're, they're like, we got to take them down. Who do they think they are to create their own nation? You know, um, they're just a bunch of mutie scum, you know. So that would be the best way to go. I mean, you know, you just you bring them in. You know, they're there to help out. Next thing you know, oh, wait, why am I, ABX. ABX is awesome. But why not Secret Wars, man? Beyonder comes along, you know, he throws them all in the battle world. And, you know, next thing everybody's fighting everybody, you know. You got Spider-Man taking out the whole X-Men team. That was really sad, but it happened. It happened, boys and girls. It happened. And I'm not afraid to admit it. But, yeah, that, man, that's a toss-up. AVX or or uh, Secret Wars. I mean, what do you guys think there? I know in the current Marvel Universe, at least, let's say, you know, because Marvel reboots like every year and a half, they try to clear up all the timelines and everything like that by having another Secret Wars. And that's probably the best way to do it, where you say there's one universe over here that always existed, one universe over here that always existed, and they're sort of crashing into each other, which means that the X-Men universe crashes into the MCU universe, which could also mean that, uh, you know, they come together and then you have some form of the beyonder who's watching all this happen. And in the end, there's one universe. So I'm hoping they do something like secret wars. And then after they do secret wars, you know, Avengers versus X-Men to me was just such a cool concept because each X-Men 
took a portion of the Phoenix Force, right? Yeah. So, so you've got all these overpowered X-Men fighting against this huge team of Avengers. That's like Thanos times 100. And then you have like five to six characters with Thanos times 100. That right there, that's some good movie. So that gives you like, if it took 10 years to get to Avengers Endgame, I see 20 years of movies that they could have going Secret Wars and then going into A versus X. I'd like to see both of them transition into creating, uh, you know, the whole Avengers X-Men crossover. Here's the thing. Let me break it down real quick. So what I like about Marvel is Scarlet Witch, unless you read the comic books, you don't know that she's a mutant. You just think she got her powers through some cube, right? What I like about Marvel, what they did was in the beginning of her character had a boy like me going like this. She's powerful than that. She's not that. She's not that. And then, bam, in Endgames, yo, you got to see what she's capable of. Because if if Thanos didn't bring down the pain from those weapons, dude, dude she single-handedly take down Thanos. And no, it wasn't Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch. So my thought process is this. She's going to have her own TV show. So let's think about this. In the comic book, she has the powers of warping reality. So most likely, that's probably what she's going to do on her TV series is warping reality, where... She will have vision in some type of way in there and creates a world with vision. So I'm thinking House of M, a perfect opportunity for her to change reality, bring in the X-Men, right? And then you don't have to make some excuse. Oh, it was the snap. Because that just seems like an easy fix. Oh, it's a snap. It brings in the X-Men. But if you bring House of M, now that see, that's another thing. Now you bring in the X-Men and then the mutants that could lead up to Avengers and X-Men, right? So, I mean, that's just my theory of, like, how I can see the X-Men coming in. Joe, that's actually really good. And let me throw this idea out to you guys, okay? The only characters that exist in both the X-Men universe and also in the MCU are the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Okay, so is it possible that because she exists in both universes she could possibly merge those two universes, kind of like what you're talking about, with the whole mind-altering, bringing two universes together. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I would totally like to see something like that, dude. Most definitely. I completely agree on that, man. That that would be awesome. I mean, uh, what was it? Was it X-Men? It was First Class? No, no, it was the second one, right? No, First Class. Well... Anyways, you've got you've got uh, Quicksilver running around his house playing his video games and everything. He had a little sister there, and you know they showed the little sister. So you know she had he does have a little sister in that universe. Um, you know by now all the time has gone by. What they've, they've spanned three decades. They started what in the but they started in the sixties and then went to the eighties and now they're in the nineties. She's all grown up now. And yeah, why why couldn't the Scarlet Witch you know travel between two different realities with her hex powers? You know she she can do it all. You know it's like may, maybe in and the MCU, she goes to sleep and she's dreaming and her dreams are that other reality. And then when she falls asleep in that, she wakes up in, in the MCU, you know, and then the, all of a sudden she just brings them all together because she's looking for the perfect part for Vision to bring them back to life. So she can have her little, her little android. 
So what's the best way for people to rep the NWO? The thing about the NWO is we are a community. We're not going to ask you to just send us money so you get to hear one additional podcast a month from us or something like that. Uh, We want you to rep NWO. So whether it's a sticker, whether it's a hat, whether it's a keychain, whether it's a t-shirt, that's how we'd like you to support NWO. Find us. To Joe's point, uh, the Facebook community is growing every day. You can find me. You can find the X-Man. You can find your boy Joe Lucas Bishop on the Nerd World Order community. We want you to be part of the community. This broadcast is for you. We want you to rep NWO. So check out IamNWO.com. Also, give us a like on iTunes. Give us a like on Stitcher. Give us a like on Podbean. Follow us on those different avenues of podcasts. Give us feedback. We want this broadcast, the the Nerd World Order broadcast, to be for all of you. So, Alf, you are the X-Man, and your knowledge of the X-Men is second to none. You were talking just, you know, you were going GR Empire. <laughs> you know, you were you were going deep. You were talking the portal. I can't remember what you called it, but you said whatever you call the portal, bro. You Seems know perilous. There you go. Siege Perilous, bro. You know X-Men. We could not have done this justice, bro. So thank you so much for coming on, getting everyone up to speed with the X-Men, understanding the X-Men a little bit more, and giving everyone your perspective on the X-Men movie so we can all get ready to watch what I think will be a mediocre movie, Dark Phoenix. So thank you very much, man. Thank you very much, you guys. That was a pleasure. So until next time, ladies, gentlemen, and knights of the Nerd World Order... I am NWO, we are NWO, and let your nerd flag fly.